Welcome to episode 19 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. This month, Inherent Vice, the latest movie from writer-director Paul Thomas Anderson, hit theaters. P.T. Anderson is one of our very favorite directors, and we'll take any opportunity to watch his movies. So for this episode, we're re-watching his romantic comedy from 2002, Punch Drunk Love. This movie was a tough one for people to wrap their minds around when it first came out. It came on the heels of 1997's Boogie Nights and 1999's Magnolia, which are two sprawling and complex epic movies. When Anderson announced he'd be making a 90-minute romantic comedy starring Adam Sandler, it shocked a lot of people. It performed very modestly at the box office, earning uh, just under $18 million. Adam Sandler, however, earned a Golden Globe nomination for his performance, and P.T. Anderson won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival. And interestingly, and I, I think this is probably just a default Adam Sandler movie has been released, so let's nominate it for an MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss between Adam Sandler and co-star Emily Watson. I can't imagine many of the screaming teens had seen this movie and really oh, were... they were gaga floor, for this. Floored by for the kiss. This, yeah, for the Lena Berry kiss. Yeah. So how does this movie hold up after all these years? Has it grown stronger than we'll ever know? Or has it lost its luster, and perhaps we should just say that's that. Keep listening. We're going to need some more pudding. Hi. Do you remember me out of my car yesterday? Yes, I do. This is Lena. She's a good friend of mine from work. We were in the neighborhood, and she had to pick up her car, and we're getting breakfast before we go in. So did you want to go? We're going to go eat. Let's go. Yeah, I can't. Why? I have to work. I have to stay here. Seriously, though, we're going to eat, I said. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's all right. What is that? Are you learning to play the piano? That's not a piano. Lance! Yeah? Remember, we have to call that guy in Toledo. Which guy? I'll tell you later. You don't want to come eat with us? No, What's all that pudding? And that scene is uh, just a taste of the sort of constantly nervous, henpecked life that Barry Egan lives uh, with his sisters um, in Punch Drunk Love, the movie we're talking about in this episode. Yeah, and uh, and first of all, you know, welcome back, everyone. Oh yeah, we, you know, we we took a little bit of a break for mm-hmm. the holidays, and uh, you know, honestly, I felt like it kind of we we left on 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 pretty tense yeah, terms. We probably <laughs> should have done some sort of <laughs> holiday spectacular resolution, rather <laughs> right, than right. just. So uh, let's just let's just uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kind of put that behind us. That was this a, is a new year afresh. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And that was a scheduled break. It was not a. Tense, this is like, not a. I don't know. I can't I can believe. This yeah, this is. I can't. Th- we can't do this anymore. We can't argue about movies like this anymore. For those who missed it, th- that was our uh, Christmas story episode, boy. and boy, we were um, on polar opposites as far as absolutely uh, that movie goes. So, anyways, I, I kind of think it was a good idea that for this first episode for the year for the new year, yeah, we we, we kind we of decided, disagree. hey, <laughs> you know, let's choose something yeah. of, from a director that we both absolutely love, a movie that we yeah. at least know the first time we watched it, we liked. Yeah. We obviously don't know how we feel now, but Mm -hmm. but um, it was a pretty safe bet. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was. P.T. Anderson is one of our favorite directors. Um, Yeah, that 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 Christmas story episode. I was surprised at how uh, emotionally 
open I got and was a little bit embarrassed. I'm like, I have some things to think about. <laughs> well, and I was pretty charged about everything yeah, too, you know. You well, it's a well, movie that certainly brought up a lot of... Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> we learned a lot about ourselves and each other. We did, yeah. <laughs> it was like a really hardcore therapy session. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's let's think about happier times. And the first time we saw Punch Drunk, sure. Love. Yeah, let's do that. Um, you want to go? You yeah, go first I'll go or? first. I'll go first. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't want this to sound like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson fan credibility, okay. but I di- I did see this movie in theaters, and uh, I saw it in theaters because I was that excited about it in two thousand two. Megan and you were excited about it because it was a Paul Thomas yes, Anderson yes, movie. Yes, yes, yes. That was yes. what made you excited. That about was it. it. It was actually Adam Sandler that gave me pause. Okay. Um. So as a as a what I, I would have been a senior in high school in October two thousand two, I had that much wherewithal to know that Paul Thomas Anderson wow. was the draw and Adam Sandler was the draw back. Uh, Not where I was at in at that senior <laughs> year in high school, <laughs> which I'll get to in a second. And I remember I saw it with a couple people who didn't really know Paul Thomas Anderson, but I I don't know if they went because of Adam Sandler or if they went because I was dragging them along. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember they were confused to the point of irritation uh-huh. with the movie, and I was confused and in awe. Like I I was I wasn't sure what I had seen, which is often the case with Paul Thomas sure. Anderson movies. You watch it once and you aren't quite sure what you just sat through. Right. And they almost require immediate re- viewing. Um, but I did like it. I, I really did like it when I saw it. I, I, I was taken aback by the score. I loved how funny it was. I mm-hmm. loved how strange it was. I really loved everything about it. Uh, and since then, I've watched it over and over. I mean, it's it's Paul Thomas Anderson. It's one of my sure my favorite direct one of my favorite directors. I don't know if he's my favorite director, but I mean, his movies has he done anything? Yeah, absolutely and, not. He's done he has nothing, done nothing that yeah. I dislike. Right. I wouldn't have ever really listed it among my top three of Paul Thomas Anderson, but it's just it, how can you? Making. It's hard to even yeah, do that with Paul Thomas difficult. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Okay, so for me, um, I I. I don't think I can really claim credibility as far as, uh, you know, cinematic know-how because mm. I, I actually did see this in the movie theater, but not because it was a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Mm. I, I actually didn't even know who Paul Thomas Anderson was. When I saw Punch Drunk Love, I had not seen Boogie Nights, Heart Eight, or, or Magnolia. I hadn't seen anything or known anything about Paul Thomas Anderson, mm. to be honest. And I don't know if I was necessarily seeing it because it was an Adam Sandler movie. Um, I remember going, you know, with my then girlfriend, now wife. We mm-hmm. just, I think this was in that stage of college where the movie theater was kind of a, it was a cheap thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you wanted to get off campus, it was one of the few things to do in the town that we were in. Right. <laughs> where we went with, to college. Yeah. So. With only a few dollars. It was probably one of those, let's look and see what's playing. Check the website. Oh, this Adam Sandler movie is playing. I've heard some weird things about it. Let's go (laughs) see what it's like. And so we went and saw Punch Drunk Love. And for me, um, I I actually, um, I was an Adam Sandler fan at the time. You know, Mm -hmm. I actually really like Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer. I even really like, I still like those movies. I I do like them. Uh, It's hard now because so much time and so much adam sandler yeah, you've seen what he's done since. you know filmography mm-hmm. has happened since then that it's yeah. very hard to almost defend them but if i put myself back in that time they were just funny movies and they still yeah. are funny movies. well and i do think know? that um wedding singer and big daddy hold up 
beyond the funny too. Yeah. They are compelling stories. They had a little bit of a heart to them. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, they weren't just they're kind of goofball great, camp comedies. But, yeah, but yeah. they're they're more solid than some of the other comedies. Right, and if they came out today, comedies. and if they came out today, they would I, I would probably like them if yeah. I saw them. So, um, you know, that's where I was coming from when I saw it, and I remember watching it in a theater where it was maybe us two and like two other couples because it was in the middle of the day and it was also a movie that i i remember just not a lot of people talking about yeah so um we saw the movie and and i remember kind of the whole time thinking like man this is strange Mm -hmm. but i was almost because i didn't really know paul thomas anderson at all i was almost just kind of watching it to see is Adam Sandler going to pull this off? I was watching Adam mm-hmm. Sandler much more than I was watching everything else going on in the yeah. movie to see like what he was going to do with this different type of role because anything I had heard about the movie was more just about how Adam Sandler was taking this new direction. Yeah. And I remember leaving and I wasn't really sure how to answer that question. Yeah. But I certainly felt like I liked the movie a lot and yeah. I didn't know why. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just kind of like and I felt like if I told my friends to go see it, I couldn't I didn't feel like I could tell my right. friends to go see yep. it because I didn't know if they'd like it. I'd be like, uh, I liked it. Yeah. I don't know if you'll like it. It's definitely not like any other Adam Sandler movie you've seen before. It also wasn't really like any P.T. Anderson movie you'd seen sure. before. So yeah. it, there wasn't much precedent for any sort of audience. If you like Adam Sandler, true. I don't know if you'll like this movie. If you like P.T. Anderson at that point, right. it was still a question as to what sort of... Because Boogie Nights and Magnolia aren't super different from each other. Sure. I mean... Even now we've seen what he's done since and Punch Drunk Love fits a little bit better in with that his work. But um, yeah, at the time, I, I, the movie was such a strange beast. But like you, I remember I, I liked it. Yeah, and I don't. I guess if I if I had to pull out what I liked about it, I kind of liked the the oddness of mm-hmm. it. Like I liked the randomness and yeah. the sort of just weird things that would happen. I don't know that I had seen that. Uh, much in the movies that I had watched up to that point. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of thought, though it was strange to me at the time, I thought the love story worked. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really did. It was very sweet. I was very happy to see those characters together, you yeah. know, the Lena and the Barry character. Um, and, and and I just I, I just really thought that the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman mattress character was so funny yes. to me, and especially yeah. when he squares off with Barry. That I, yep. even then, that first time watching it, I thought that was so funny. Yep. You know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's that's what I remember about the first time. I saw, one of the things that really sticks out from the first time I saw it was so funny. Yeah, it was really funny, but very strangely funny. Right. Not necessarily quotably not, funny, not describably funny, right? And not traditionally Adam Sandler funny for no, sure. You know. No. So a few people weighed in on this one, which was great uh, to see. I wasn't sure how many people. I know a lot of people like Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Um, but I wasn't sure if people how how Punch Drunk Love fit in for other people. I, I do feel like, and and I think you might have already spoken to this, but I feel like it's kind of one of his least talked about movies. But there was one uh, listener, uh, Nathan, who said on Facebook, not, not me, not you, okay. <laughs> Nathan Evans said uh, this is his second favorite Paul Thomas Anderson yeah I saw that too I thought that was you know really interesting and he kind of made an interesting raised an interesting question he said Sandler what could have been somehow grown-ups and that's my boy seemed like better options and that's an interesting thing like it's not something obviously we can speak to but it's I, I think it's a fascinating question did Sandler look at the box office of this movie and be like well that's not worth it Mm mm-hmm and kind of go back to his cash cow or 
if he if he didn't even think about that at all and was just more comfortable i don't know even though he has done some drama stuff since he's tried you know and in fact there was a, an article that we shared on our, our yeah. facebook and twitter from grantland mm -hmm. um really talking about that that aspect of sandler's career yeah. and punch drunk love being in the in the article's uh, argument the best thing that that sandler has done and he's he hasn't done anything close to it ever since and probably never will and what I thought was interesting is how the, the article actually did talk about all these other attempts that he has made since then yeah. with Spanglish, mm -hmm. Rain Over mm -hmm. Me, Funny yep. People, that, and even this year's, uh, or sorry, I should say last year's, uh, Men, Women, and Children, which was a total flop. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody saw that movie. No. Uh, or it ever even really hit the theaters. In no, the, I don't remember it being released. Right. Very, especially for a Jason Reitman movie. In my mind, I was thinking that this really was one of the only serious turns Sandler had made, and it yeah, took the article not. to be like, no, mm -hmm. it really wasn't. And he's done he's tried this stuff it just never has really worked the same way yeah. you know so i think that's a really interesting to, to discuss and talk about maybe yeah. why that is you know yeah yeah we also had some listeners on facebook who were very concerned with uh, one listener andrew asked how i was doing after pt anderson was on mark maron's podcast wtf yeah. and yeah but by the way, before you go on, if you have not listened oh, to that podcast episode, it just came out, what, about a week or two ago? Yeah, last week, I think. And we shared it on our Facebook and Twitter, but this is the WTF with Mark Maron interview with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. It, it is great. essential listening for we'll, anyone who even is a casual fan of yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. We'll talk more about yeah. that probably just because it's it was a pretty eye-opening listen for me. But sure. in that interview, he mentioned that he, think, he, he sees problems with Magnolia. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our listener, Andrew, asked uh, how I felt about Paul Thomas Anderson's feelings about Magnolia. The creator critiquing his own work, even it, though it was Magnolia like, this is your all-time favorite, favorite movie, movie. Right? Yes, yeah. it is my favorite movie. Uh, I love it. And I, I, I'm fine with it. I, I think I think P.T. Anderson would be fine with me loving it. <laughs> I, I think uh, it's such a... I, I thought it was My reasons for liking it are so yeah. personal. I, I did, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... It, what's in it and even the length of the speeches and the length of the movie works for me so yeah right thank and you I, for and, your and, concern uh my right. wife and i are fine and this episode uh, really isn't about magnolia we just appreciate but... you respecting our privacy in this <laughs> difficult time <laughs> we did have um on our actual can we still be friends.net website we had put in a, a spot where you can weigh in and chris one of our listeners gave a really good uh sort of uh, some really good thoughts on on punch drunk love saying i love punch drunk love it's probably my favorite pt anderson film wow. and he says he's believe he believes he has seen nearly all of them uh and even though he's tempted to go with more epic films uh simply because they're epic what chris really liked was how vulnerable adam sandler is how he is able to convey a lot of raw emotions um, and he loves how much he adores, uh, this being Barry Adam Sandler's character, uh, adores Emily Watson, the Lena character. Yeah. Uh, also, Mattress Man is a classic character. Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Finally, the surrealistic touches are really powerful. For instance, sometimes uh, Magnolia was overplayed. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is Chris <clears throat> speaking. <laughs> Not. <this clears throat> are you okay? Are you I, need, okay? I need some water. I'm fine, though. Mm. All right, can we, can we go on? Overplayed? Don't say it again. Oh, okay. Um, it tried really hard to mean something and to, mm. to connect things. Mm. 
but the Sorry, simplicity I just, I of the narrative. Mean... Uh, in, in Punch Trunk Love, uh, to Chris, the simplicity of the narrative is what helps uh, give the film mm. a strong and believable emotional core, <clears throat> um, which which I would actually, I really want to get into when we start mm-hmm. talking about this, about the, sim- the, the this idea of the simplicity of yeah. the movie. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you, Chris, for weighing in on that. It's, it's some really good stuff there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we also had, um, Eric wrote to us and, and said a lot of great things about his assessment of Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. To Eric, uh, Punch Drunk Love falls squarely into the category of indulgent, juvenile, male fantasy, <laughs> wish fulfillment. <laughs> and Lena Leonard is a, what he deems MPDG. And for those who didn't listen to our Garden State episode, this is a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea of... Uh, Some uh, magical yeah. female character who is just perfectly quirky and absorbs all of the negative qualities of a man without ever really making him confront them sure. or transforming them into... Yes something uh you know appealing uh excellent summary there and you may not you may not know it from eric's words but he he opened his email with the that's phrase, why i forgot i like this movie <laughs> i forgot that he did like the movie i only i only focused on the negative <laughs> you can believe it he's got a strange way of liking things um, uh, i think i think a lot of this was just kind of pointing out yeah. that he liked the movie but he sees a few things he's that, not that gonna he, blow smoke up exactly just, yeah here's uh, just know i like it but here are the things i think right and that's that's a that's a good yeah, thing to streamline do. It's a good point. It, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Don't, you don't need us to you don't need to tell us right. what's good about the movie. So, so speaking of Lena, or Lena, yeah. um, she is in the movie from start to finish, but we don't learn much about her. We have no idea why she would be attracted to Barry Egan. We learn a lot about Barry, but almost nothing about her. I might disagree with a little bit of that, but that's fine. Okay. Yeah, and he asks the questions. I mean, what happens two years down the road when the honeymoon is over? Does mm-hmm. Barry smash Lena's jaw with a tire iron? I, it's a fair question. <laughs> yeah, it might be a fair <laughs> question. Uh, I don't know that that came up in my mind as, no, as I was I didn't, watching it. Yeah. But, uh, and he, he, he went on in the end of his email to say he realizes the story itself isn't the entire point of a movie like this. Um, and that there are other things going on cinematically. But he's a stickler for plot. And sure. so any unanswered questions are going to be a hang-up for him, which is... It's prerogative. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we also got a voicemail from Andrew. Yeah, Andrew, one of our listeners, was kind enough to uh, give us a phone call and um, and leave a voicemail about his thoughts on Punch Drunk Love. Which so, you are all welcome to do. Yes, please do so, actually. Do you want to hear your voice on our podcast? In fact, while, while we're at it, why don't I just go ahead and drop that number for you? It's 847-306-9532. So Andrew called that very number and uh, gave us these 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 thoughts. Uh, thanks, gentlemen. I'm looking forward to hearing you guys uh, retool or at least take your thoughts down on Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love absolutely goes deep in levels of what does it mean to love somebody and how do you express that love. Uh, it was very difficult for me to understand that as I watched the film. I didn't pick up on so many of the cues between Sandler and his interaction with his sisters, uh, but it was actually in one of the cut scenes, if I don't think it's like a director's cut, but it's in one of the deleted scenes uh, where he has this very strong reaction uh, to this boy who's playing out, I think in the alley behind the workplace. It's been years since I've watched it, where he basically almost loses it kind of on the kid, saying he's just so ridiculously cute, I want to punch him in the face, but he's so ridiculously cute. and. It's in that moment where it's very, very apparent. He can't he can't discern. And I think that Paul Thomas Anderson in this movie really takes a huge step forward in expressing what does it mean to 
how does it look to express love in many different ways if you know how to, if you don't know how to, and how is that going to change based on your upbringing? So good luck, guys. I really, really am looking forward to whatever you guys discuss. Cheers. Looking forward to chatting with you guys. Thank you for that, uh, Carl, Andrew. Um, and I, I want to say some of the things he he talked about or were things that I was thinking of this this time when I saw the movie. Um, and before we get into that, let's just do that quick, we watched the movie again, briefly. Did you like it again? Briefly, yeah. Before we get into it, yes, yes, I did like this. In fact, I, I really love this movie. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's it's out of the way. interesting that you say that. Because I love it too. Okay. <laughs> I, I still every time I see this movie, I find more things that I like about it. Yeah, and I, I actually, um, uh, you you know, my first time watching this movie where I was at, so yeah. I loved it for all new reasons this time. Yeah, so. and not not to just because it's the truth. Nate has not seen this movie as far as he remembers since the first time. I've seen it a few times since then. I yeah. bought it. It was actually one of the first DVDs there, I bought. There's a um, chance I saw it when it came out on DVD, but I have not seen it really since its its day, which was yeah. like 2002 or around then. Yeah. yeah. Um so what Andrew was talking about is that um you know, he the, the movie sort of explores the different ways that people show love. And if you listen to the WTF episode with Mark Marion, you'll hear PT Anderson one, amazingly down-to-earth guy. Mm-hmm. And two, his take on his movies is pretty simple. Yes. For as complex as they are for viewers to take in and when to he's, understand. When he's put into the corner yeah, and forced to do that. Yeah, when he's asked, what is your yeah. movie about? He can come up with something. And when I asked about Punch Drunk Love, he said, that's about love, man. Love, like, baby. He, he, yeah. yeah. He said <laughs> there was nothing else that it was about. He wanted to make... After, because he made Magnolia in response to his father dying, mm-hmm. very heavy emotions for him. He wanted to make a lighthearted movie because for him, movies are escape, which is astonishing to me that P.T. Anderson drunk, says that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For one thing, yeah. that he's, he, he made the maker of There Will Be Blood and The Master and Magnolia and Boogie Nights, these heavy And from movies. what I've heard so far of Inherent Vice. And, yeah. yeah, Inherent Vice <laughs> said that if given the option of, you know, his the heavy dramatic movies on one end and... A musical on the other, he'll go to the musical yeah. every time. Or even the Adam Sandler movie, the right, Billy Madison, yeah. the Billy Happy Madison, Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. He, he will choose that movie. Big Daddy, he and he said it. Yeah. every time. Every time. <laughs> I was shocked to hear that. Uh, but I was glad to hear that Punch Drunk Love is only about love. That it mm-hmm. isn't that even though it's it almost invites you to look for symbolism and meaning in the color and all these things, mm-hmm. that really he's showing a movie about love. And mm-hmm. he he did on one level, make a straightforward romantic comedy. It's very funny. It's uh, got the love story. But he went very P.T. Anderson with it right. in the way that these characters have to come, in the way that the char- what the characters have to overcome to come together. Right. Very specific. And like every other P.T. Anderson movie, even though it's a simple concept, it still rewards those multiple viewings. Oh, my gosh. And so what Andrew was getting at, which is that Barry has a very difficult time expressing love, is... A very real problem for people. And so many people will watch romantic comedies and either feel like they should receive the message of love from somebody in one specific way or that they should give them the, the feelings of love in one specific mm. way. And if they don't, then they're wrong. Um, and I think the romantic comedies, for some people, can really ruin a lot of things. Yeah. I think we both saw the Bill Burr comedy special yeah. and he talks about how romantic comedies have ruined yeah. sex by being just like this <laughs> yeah, really yeah, flat, yeah. like... Yeah, it's very funny if you haven't seen Bill Burr's latest special. Yes, uh, which is it's called "I'm Sorry You Feel That Way." It, it's it on is Netflix. on Netflix. It's yeah, very very funny. It's great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he talks about how romantic comedies have ruined uh, 
people's conceptions of sex. <laughs> right. um, I also think that in a lot of ways it's ruined people's conceptions of what it's like to be in a relationship. Hmm. And P.T. Anderson took the romantic comedy and took a character who wouldn't does be not good. belong yeah. in a romantic comedy who yeah. if you look at the way his sisters have treated him his view of what love is familial love especially anything like that is very distorted it's very scary honestly it's oppressive right. to him it's just this 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 barrage of criticism uh, we were just talking about you all right. remember we used to call you gay boy you'd get all mad what's that we used to call you gay boy remember you'd be fine and then we'd call you gay boy you just freak out we were calling you gay, and you got so mad you threw the hammer through the sliding glass yeah. door. You remember? I don't remember that. Yes, you do. We were calling I'm... you gay, boy, and you got so mad. Are you gay now? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't we know. We were trying to figure out why you had the hammer in the Why did he have the hammer? I don't know. I don't know. Why have the hammer? Thank you. Are you using that dandruff shampoo I bought you? Yes. Barry. 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 Why do you have the hammer? Why did I have that's, the hammer? That's love to him he's been told that that's what love is so it's not so far-fetched that this guy is so awkward around lena and that when he sees her face as beautiful says he wants to take a hammer and smash it like he doesn't right right he's just he doesn't and, know he's feeling so many emotions yeah and for him the only emotions he's really ever felt are these aggressive angry ones well and i think it's in you know andrew brought up the uh the this this deleted scene that unfortunately if you're watching on netflix you just can't get mm -hmm. um but but this scene of that he's talking about of a of, of him saying that a kid is so cute he wants to, to punch it yeah. strangely i actually did there was an article i don't remember where i saw it that said that's actually a scientific thing where to destroy something beautiful no it was talking about when you have babies and that oh, there's a natural mm -hmm. feeling where you want to hurt your baby because you think it's so cute hmm. um and and well, as a father i can say it is odd but, I, but is this too confessional i kind of get it yeah there's this point where you're just kind of like that kid is so damn cute i just <laughs> I squeeze just, it i just want to squeeze it <laughs> yeah but um Funny. you know maybe there was already that scene that you had already mentioned with Lena. So, you know, maybe he didn't feel like you needed to also have a kid scene with that in there yeah. as well. You know, I could see yeah, why it, it would was be deleted. a little bit yeah. heavy handed. And, and, and so, um, I guess like what you're saying, the fact that this is almost taking a character who is not by any means your traditional character <laughs> you would see in a romantic comedy. No. I mean, is this the reason why you think this movie just did not succeed or were there sort of a, was it like a boiling pot of elements in here that were just kind of like this movie was doomed from the start as far as popular success yeah, goes? No, I mean, I think it, critically so. it did okay, I, I think. I mean, Metacritic, I think, had a 78 yeah, on it. And, yeah, I think critics and, and probably were. over time, I think it's held up really well critically. Yeah, um, I think it's actually gotten higher praise. Um, what's funny about it is... As a, even though I, I I would like purport to be uh, somewhat advanced or somehow in my taste being a high school senior and saying oh I'm watching this because it's P T Anderson I I'm actually really that I, that's a, a huge credit to you that in high school you you saw what this movie was doing I had already know? seen Hard Eight Boogie Nights and Magnolia no I mean even just the the, but, the, oh, the, okay. the the you saw what P T Anderson was trying to the story he was trying to tell in this movie because. While I think it's a very simple thing he's actually trying to tell in this story, you, you got to kind of work to get it. Oh, you absolutely you know? do. And the thing is, uh, so so the 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 high schoolness of my viewing, I really wanted to see Adam Sandler's. I don't know about legacy, his style. Those movies really turned on their head. I wanted I wanted people to go in hoping for an Adam Sandler movie uh -huh. and to just get rocked. <laughs> yeah, and. 
what's funny is P.T. Anderson says he wasn't trying to subvert anything. No. He wanted to make a romantic comedy with Adam Sandler playing an Adam Sandler type character. And he but does. But the conceit yeah. was he wanted him to play it and surround him with real life people. Yes. And how would yeah. people in the real world react when it, he wasn't just being the joke, but he's being a guy in an actual family, in an actual workplace. Uh-huh. How do people react in to this actual, like this? very stressful situation? And that does happen. Yeah. But you're right. Like uh, he, he plays an Adam Sandler character. He does. When he's running yeah. away from the oh brothers and he's yeah. just, <laughs> <laughs> he's the goo, gotta care. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and yeah, when he uh, screams at his sister on the phone, yeah, that's just an Adam Sandler rant, and and that sort of like sincere, but like kind of like insecure, whispery, mumbly kind of delivery of all your lines. It that that is no different than yeah. his character in The Wedding Singer, you know. Yeah, I feel a little bit bad for P.T. Anderson that he wasn't trying to subvert anything, and it still comes off as like a total subversion and like, because <laughs> right. he does, I, I, he, regardless of what he intended, it really does take tropes and either twist them or use them in a brand new way. You know, my, my take this time around on Punch Drunk Love um, is that what's happening is all of the randomness, the chaos, the intensity, everything that Anderson usually loads into all of his movies, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he's loading it in actually from the very beginning. All yes, the way yes, through yes. to the very end. I mean, the movie starts with that crazy car crash, and it never even resolves Makes me itself. Jump yes. Every time, yes. yeah, every Absolutely. time, yeah. the um, car crash and then the semi driving by. You know, it's a very traditional romantic comedy, as we mm-hmm. said. I feel like he's kind of using that that sort of P.T. Anderson aesthetic mm-hmm. to paint this unique backdrop from which to kind of highlight and really stress the very simple and somewhat on the nose message of this movie. Yeah. Which is really nothing more than the power of love. Yeah. Romantic love but at also, that. You know, it's also um, an exploration of love in that, uh, it's not to sound so heady, I hate what I just sounded like, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's the randomness of it. Because it really is. Why right. did I meet my wife when I met her? Why did you meet your wife when she, you met her? Like all these things. Like it's it, if we see it in a movie and we're like, why would anybody drop a harmonium off? Why would she come? And the funny thing is, their meeting isn't random. It was calculated by her. So that's right. one of those things where he can subverts the convention that it isn't just a random meeting. No, I brought my car because I, wa- I saw a picture of you and I wanted to meet you. Yeah. And the harmonium, I think, is a symbol. Um, right. In a movie no, where, I, in a movie that's very straightforward, and even if he may not ask us to do go symbol hunting, I think the harmonium is very clearly a symbol. Sure. Because he gets he finds it randomly on the day that Lena shows up, and he ends up you know, uh, fixing it. And finally when it's fixed, he's right in a place to be loved and to love someone. And um, no, I totally see what you're saying. I think there's so much you could, you could get from this movie, but I think ultimately unlike movies he's done since then, like there will be blood, like the master, um, there's not a whole lot more to be mined from the material itself. Like there is, and there will be blood and the master. You could definitely sit forever and talk and think about love and yeah. think about like, but really like he said in the Mark Maron interview, it is really just about love yeah. and, and the way that works and the power mm-hmm. of it. And this is my takeaway from it. This last viewing and, and let me, I, I, this, these were my thoughts and, and you can kind of tell me what you, th- what you think of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like PT Anderson's movies always reward multiple viewings. And I don't think Punch Drunk Love is any exception to that, but it's for totally different reasons than every other P.T. Anderson movie that I see. It's a movie that I could watch again and and again. I think when I walk out of 
other movies like There Will Be Blood, like The Master, from what I've heard from people who have walked out of Inherent Vice, mm-hmm. you, the reason you come back to them is because you feel like there's this thick, mysterious density of interpretations and yeah, references and messages and meanings, like something very rare, you know, that that up until P.T. Anderson, I probably only thought could have been pulled off by like Kubrick or yeah. something like that, mm-hmm. you know? In general, it's basically this feeling that the, the, the movie that you thought it was supposed to be uh, was actually only the starting point. Yeah. You know, the master was only vaguely about Scientology. Yeah, the premise yeah, yeah. of Magnolia itself with all the characters mm-hmm. and the frogs, it abrasively demanded further examination. There Will Be Blood had this like sort of shifting tone that made mm-hmm. no easy moral declarations, which is not what you'd expect from an Upton Sinclair adaptation, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you thought that if you watch these movies again, if you watch The Master, There Will Be Blood, Magnolia again, that you would get some new insights. Yeah. That you would get, like, you'd pull out new meanings and that were completely missed in the sort of stupor you had the first yeah. time you watched it. Yeah. And then I kind of feel like with Punch Drunk Love, Anderson, is he kind of throws that whole thing into reverse. Yeah. Like, what struck me so much about it was just how traditional it is. Uh-huh. It's... Definitely, and I think we already mentioned this, but to me, it's definitely the least complicated and befuddling of all Anderson's films, which is funny because I remember walking out of the theater and being completely being befuddled. Yeah. befuddled. <laughs> but now on a second rewatch, you know, as I rewatch it, yeah. I'm like, this is actually a very simple movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that as a knock against the film right. at all. No, I get what you're um, saying. It's just, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I think you're absolutely it, right. It's like, almost, like, I want to watch this movie over and over and over again, but mm-hmm. it's the same reason I want to watch Billy Madison over and over again. Like, it's more, <laughs> it's not the same thing as watching The Master over uh, and over again. I wouldn't totally compare it to watching <laughs> Billy Madison over and over again. <laughs> I, I, no, I, but I, I totally but, get but what you know you're what saying. I mean. I get, like, I get, I get, or watching what, what he talked saying. about, watching sweet, like a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers yes, movie yeah. over and over again. It's, I, I very much get what you're saying that, that you walk out of almost all of his other movies thinking, I don't know how to make sense of that, and I don't even know what about it to make sense of, like what I should go sure. after. Yeah. And you watch it again and again, and you almost have to keep breaking it down, and then the more you break it down, you're like, oh, and then that means I have to think differently about this and right. about this, and you get more and more complex and you're Absolutely. breaking down. Yeah. Punch Drunk Love, you're not any less befuddled or confused walking mm-hmm. out, feeling like you need to see it again, but once you see it again, and you let yourself notice, oh, it's just getting simpler. Yeah, and it's getting simpler. Yes, it's and, thrown in reverse. Exactly. Oh, this yeah. is. It's not. It, you could, and I think I think that's part of his genius is that you could you could go into symbols and colors and characters sure. and, some and music soundtrack. cues and yeah and, yeah <laughs> and and find things in it. But I don't think you have to, and you certainly don't have to, to enjoy or get it. That if you keep watching it, it's just going to get clearer and clearer yeah. and clearer and simpler and simpler. And in some ways, funnier and funnier. Yeah. I think if you watched it enough, you would end up, maybe, maybe, maybe this sounds, maybe this is ridiculous. But for me, I can see if I just kept watching it, I would ultimately end up doing nothing but laughing through the, through the movie. Mm-hmm. Because everything everything just kind of starts stripping away and you get at, this is just a funny movie about love. Strangely, I felt like, you know, obviously since when I first watched it, which was like the first, my freshman year of college or sophomore Mm -hmm. year of college, I've watched a lot of movies since then. So I felt like I was going to go into this movie and think about it in this whole new level and bring all sorts of new insights and context Mm -hmm. into it. And the more I watched it, I was and just it, like, maybe it would seem less unique or yeah. something. And and the more I watched it, I was just kind of like, I just need to sit back and watch this. I don't, you know, I need to just kind of let myself enjoy this movie. Like yeah. it's, it's not, 
sure it's strange and the movie gets strange right away with the car yep. and, and and the the, the harmonium, the, the harmonium the, dropped off and and the and she kind of the way she even shows up is just odd you yeah. know it just drops off a little the car unsettling and, yeah and... um but i i, I kind of as i kept watching it it was funny how i just found it so much less odd as I kept watching, like yeah. as the movie went on, like once I kind of got into the world, mm-hmm. it just became another, it, not, I shouldn't say another romantic comedy because it's so no, unique, yeah, unique yeah. but, but it, it doesn't become conventional and run of the mill. It just exactly. becomes clearer as a genre. It just piece. becomes a brilliant romantic comedy. Yeah. You know? Um, well now let's talk a little bit about why, what, what layers are there that we kind of have to work through to get to that. Sure. Um, I, I wrote down, I think one very obvious one is the music. The music is so strange, and so, uh-huh. for especially for a romantic comedy, but for any sort of movie, the, the music is very strange. Yes. Um, and then also the camera movement. Is, and, the, and the lens yeah, flares. Yeah, the lens, and, lens yeah. flares and the coloring and all that stuff. So what, yeah, that's... That, it, it makes it, it's almost like it's a romantic comedy shot like... A thriller, like mm-hmm. a like a almost like a spy thriller, like the 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 amount of steady cam and long shots and mm. following people walking and people walking quickly, combined with the music. Yes, it isn't lingering shots. It isn't close ups and like shots of people walking. Like if people are walking, they aren't walking towards the camera. The camera is following them yes. almost feverishly. When he's walking out to her in her car, when she yeah. when she her uh his sister introduces them, the camera's following them all around the warehouse. That's like the the pinnacle of the nerve wracking nature of this movie is that scene. <laughs> that scene because is so the music great. is yeah. just amped up. The camera's moving so er- erratically you, yes. after these people. Just and building the sister tension. is just talking constantly and Barry can't get a thought uh, a, a second's piece. The phone is ringing, and he knows who's every calling single it. thing that the the camera work, the editing, the soundtrack, the, the the performances, the dialogue, everything, and even the stuff around it, the forklift, and, yep. and the timing the of everything is Louis just Guzman, and it's, it's yeah. just ratcheting up tension. That is just such a brilliant scene. Yeah. And the the music. I really want to talk about the music because it's such a vital part. I know my sister in law like hates the movie, and okay. it's only because of the music. Honestly, hmm. if you if. She, if you know you were to break it down, it's that the music were just unsettled her, and she couldn't relax watching mm. the movie. But I, I love the way the music is introduced because for the first few minutes of the movie, there's no music. It's Barry it's in the very office. He walks sparse, out, yeah. then the the car, you know, and then the truck. And the first music comes when he presses the key on the harmonium. such a misdirect because the the sound that comes when he presses down is the sound you would assume would come out of that instrument mm-hmm. but it's the soundtrack and then all built of a sudden you it. realize that he didn't hit the key and then he hits it and it's out of key with the music that's already been playing mm-hmm. and you realize that yeah. the music is now and that happens throughout the movie because the m- music used sounds from the warehouse yeah. as its percussion so while you're watching this you don't know what's music and what's noise of yeah. life. And I think 
it, it reminded me of Dancer in the Dark, Lars von Trier's movie, where right. Bjork says there's music everywhere, and the sound of the factory turns into a musical number, and the sound of the train or whatever, and it's very different from Punch Drunk Love. But, <laughs> but what it does, in, to me, by using the sounds of the warehouse in music, it accomplishes a couple things. One is it sort of puts us in Barry's mindset of being in love where those sounds that we hear around us now do sound like love. Like, you know, how those first stages of love where everything's just different, everything, you're happier, the yeah. sun's brighter, yep. the air's warmer, the birds are singing louder, like all these things. that The, the noise that he's been hearing is now suddenly part of the soundtrack of his life. Right, like, and I think a, a lesser or, or a more traditional romantic comedy could have taken that idea and just made it more cheesy, like yeah. actually have birds sing to yeah. the, you know. We're done with Dancer in the Dark is, and actually like... Cut in with a musical number sure. or whatever. Um, this does I, it much more subtly and also just uses the more cold sounds around you. Yeah. You know? Like these aren't pretty sounds. You right. Know? Well, and then the, the the fact that the music isn't pretty also, like really, especially in that scene, there are times where the music is pretty. Yeah. But the music can also be very nerve wracking and just grating. And I think that puts us still in Barry's mind, but the insecure side of him where the sounds he's hearing are just bombarding him and he can't make sense of them even though like it's part of the music of mm -hmm. his life whatever it's just it's now instead of enhancing the love aspect of it it's just driving home this uh anxiety that he feels around his sisters and things and that and and that paired with the visual element i want to talk a little bit about the lens flares that yeah. are all throughout this movie i kind of feel like it's the same exact thing going on there's a sort of dreamy, beautiful quality to them. Yeah. There's also sort of very realistic, and a gritty. realistic and amateur quality to mm -hmm. that, like almost like a filmmaker who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. But you can't say that because Obviously. everything else about the movie is so carefully crafted. Yeah. It's like you took everything from mm -hmm. from the 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 actual like setup of the shots and the way the camera moves and, yeah. and everything is so precise. Yeah. And then you just throw it off this one way by having the camera do this weird trick flip. where it's just like, that's Take a up very amateur mistake. Most of the know? frame <laughs> really, really um, cuts in. It really disrupts what you're seeing. Right. But you're absolutely right. There are times, and it would be interesting to go back and just really like note every lens flare. I know that there are a couple lens flares that happen when they're kissing. Uh huh. And like, there's just there's a good inch of the bottom of the screen is blue. Right. But there's also ones where this is before they even meet. He's just and walking outside. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just like the first this time way he steps outside. Right. The there's a huge lens flare. Yeah. It, and it's, it's just a sort right. of to me, it's a visual cue of like it's another sort of subconscious way of unsettling you. You you've got to wonder if like maybe the lens flare and the music it, it, it drawing such attention to themselves yeah. and disrupting you and taking you out almost of the viewing experience really saying like I'm watching a movie like, right it, that's true too is, yeah is what sort of comment he would be making with that like is he just is he talking about how life can, love can completely disrupt your life and like everything's different now you now mm -hmm. you're aware of things in a different way or is it like I don't think that, based on what he said, I don't think it's this cynical one that you're watching a movie and love isn't real. Or right, right. But like, I, I could see somebody reading it that way or writing a paper about it. Right. Um, but yeah, those those things are the just two simple things: the moving movement of the camera, the lens flares, and the music just really did so much. Yes. To to pack this movie in some 
layers that needed lifting. The music was definitely a revelation to me this time around because to me, when I first watched it, it's not something I barely even paid attention to. If anything, really? it was just if if anything, it was just kind of this ingredient in there that was just when I first watched it, who yeah. knows what I was thinking. I mean, yeah. I was just kind of blown away by the whole thing. Were you making out again? No. This time I was not. <laughs> I was like, hey, I need to pay attention to this. This, this thing this thing demands film. my attention. Um but um because I would later on go on to get very into film and I would yeah. learn all about P.T. Anderson and I would get into his movies. And that's really when Johnny Greenwood started working with him a lot. To me and P.T. Anderson's career, I had always thought that's kind of when the soundtrack usage in film really took oh, off. No. And then I was kind of like when I watched this movie again, I was like, oh, yeah. Now I remember like John Bryan mm, did John some Bryan. amazing stuff in this movie. Like this is just something that is always part of P.T. Anderson's work. And I'm almost thinking now because I know Johnny Greenwood has worked with P.T. Anderson with For There Will Be Blood, The Master, and even Inherent Vice. And, yeah. I'm kind of, and after watching Punch Drunk Love, I was like, as much as I love what Johnny Greenwood does with P.T. Anderson, I kind of wish he would like go back to John Bryan or maybe find somebody else or yeah. like, you know, like. John Bryan is amazing. I, I don't oh, know. yeah. I mean, I, I like, actually knew his work from Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Eternal Mind. Sun, he and, did Magnolia. He did Heart Aid. Yeah. He did Eternal Sunshine. He did I Heart Huckabees. Yes. He did yeah. Synecdoche, New York. Like, he he's great. Yes. Now, I, I, I want to talk about something that Eric said, calling Lena a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. I had something to say about that, too, actually. Yeah. But I want to hear. I, 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 I don't necessarily have a super fully formed thought. I just disagree with him. Okay. That she's a manic pixie dream girl. I think she is. She's a very. She's a woman. Yeah, <laughs> that's, you know what that's I mean? one thing. She's not yeah. a girl. She's that was something I think that some the, the Grantland article mentioned is that she's not a girl. She is a woman. That yes. this is a woman who has been. She's been. She's been divorced, right? She says that. Um, I, I, did she say she's been married? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah Either so. way, I think it's very clear that she has certain. She's had, she's had experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. She sought him out. I think is a very important distinction mm -hmm. that she went after what she wanted and he was what she wanted. You know, she was the She's, savior he needed. Like she, she saw thought, something in him. Yeah. Yeah. And the obviously prominent use of he needs me is so powerful to me. Especially since he repeats it so often. Obviously, the song repeats the phrase, he needs me, but that P.T. Anderson uses it so extensively because he he needs her. She right. is his savior. Not through quirkiness yes. and enabling, but through like seeing who he is and seeing through his anxiety and seeing through his henpecked uh, shell that he yes. is now. Yeah, that I, she sees the good in him, and you can see it when she when he hugs her and he's just like... He's just melting into that hug and mm -hmm. she's just standing firm. She's not really moved emotionally. He's he's broken. Yeah. As he went back to hug her. Yeah. And he felt like he almost just kind of needed to unload on her. And like, she's ready to take his yeah. burden. Like she's ready. It's a very beautiful scene. It is. Yeah. And her strength. Like I remember there were a couple times when I saw it and I was like, she's kind of creepy. Like when she's in the background of the grocery store right you're like is she stalking him whatever and you just get this sense the more i watch it the more i see in her character she knows what he needs and she knows what she's getting into as well right like she's she, not a fool yeah and we might look at that and be like well that's just kind of creepy 
you know, like, why would you want to be yeah. with somebody like that? Or you, yeah. if you know what you're getting into, that's even worse. <laughs> right. You no, know? but it's almost like the movie says that's not really for you to decide. You know, like that's not really, but that's between the two of them, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe and the movie doesn't say that. Maybe that's just no, me thinking about it, but you know, I, I, I kind of, I see what you're saying. Like it's, it, she's not coming from the same places like that. The Natalie Portman character no. in garden oh state God. or, you know, you know, she is such a solid figure. Yeah. She's character. not manic at all. Yeah. She is stalwart. Uh-huh. And I, I was coming at it. I think, Maybe this is just me. I guess I don't know everybody, but I would imagine that everybody, at some point, if they're married and you know, or in uh, happily in a mar- uh, relationship, that they kind of step back at some point and say, like, "How is this person putting up with me?" You, because there are times where you just like you're at your worst, and you <laughs> right. you look back at what you said or what you did or how you acted, and you're just like, "I would walk away from me." And I think that this movie is getting at that there are that there's. There are people out there for each of us mm-hmm. who are patient enough, who they they might have their own insanity too or whatever, but like they get you and they see they, you. They see something in you. And yeah. they know that that is not you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, the, the Panic Pixie Dream Girl like enables it and almost says your insanity is totally fine or something, mm-hmm. you know? We're both crazy, so yeah. let's just jump into it, you but know? The, but. Emily Watts and Lena in this movie like kind of just grabs him by his shoulders and is like, that's not you. You're better than that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be here to help you find that. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And and the very last line of the film mm-hmm. is Lena saying to Barry, so here we go. And I think it's super important that she's the one saying that. Yes. Like she is the she's one that's directing she's this. She's ready. Yeah. Like- I'm with you. I don't. I don't see Lena as a manic pixie dream girl at all. I can see what Eric is saying about how you never really understand why she liked him. Yeah. Um, and this is where I think a little bit of understanding where P.T. Anderson was coming when he made this movie, like his inspiration, yeah. actually helped a little bit for me. Okay. Um, after listening to Mark Maron's interview, I would have never thought that Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were an influence <laughs> on Punch Although Drunk knowing Love. that, watching it, but, I got it. But then when I watched it, I was like, holy cow, it is totally in there. I, I had never seen Swing Time, so I watched Swing Time as preparation, actually, for this episode, just to see. Just to see if right. it actually did, you know, mm-hmm. if it made me think of Punch Drunk Love at all. Yeah. I don't know that it really did make me think of Punch Drunk Love, but when I watched Punch Drunk Love, I s- totally saw swing yeah. time all over it. Mm-hmm. And exactly to Eric's point of saying, I don't know what this girl sees in him, maybe, and I know this might sound like a cop-out, but maybe it's not a whole lot more than P.T. Anderson kind of going for the whole Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire thing. In swing time, there is no reason why Ginger Rogers should like Fred Astaire. Like, the movie starts with Fred Astaire... Um, it seeming like he stole money from her and then a cop basically saying, hey, woman, move along. Like, she is totally a victim. Eventually, she finds out that that's not really the case. It was kind of a, a misinformation kind of thing. But she really starts out the movie kind of hating the guy yeah. um, and then eventually comes around to liking him. And you never really understand why she comes around to liking him other than just she she likes that the fact she likes that him. she likes the fact that he can dance well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... To me, it's kind of like if that's what if that's your template. Yeah, it's yeah. not so important to know what this girl sees in the guy. It's just important to know that the girl does see something in the guy. Well, and, and that together, whatever they do, whether it's dancing or whether it's uh-huh. you know 
I don't know what you call what Lena and Barry do together. I mean, they just they hold hands, and, you know. But whether whatever it is, like that somehow that that somehow that's all that matters. Yeah. Like, but what I also I think is important about this movie and uh, you know supports her character as a stronger woman is that she says she just flat out says I have to tell you something. I saw your picture and I liked you. Right. You know, we're not left to guess or anything really. Like, if that hadn't been in there, if she hadn't said. I took my car to that garage because I knew you'd be there. I saw your picture and I liked you and right. I wanted to I wanted to go out with you. Um and it was just left that it was circumstance that she drove there like, oh, what a coincidence that she arrived at that garage and he was there and he was the only one. Then it's like, well, what in that interaction was appealing? Like not, then she just becomes this female, right, you know, trope of just quick to fall in love sort sure. of thing. Yeah. She didn't know that she would end up liking him, but she knew she wanted to meet him. And I also, you know, I, I, I also kind of feel like maybe it's P.T. Anderson saying, hey, especially in the scene where they have to leave the restaurant because yes. he beat up the bathroom. And really, the only thing, it's it's one of the most romantic scenes in the movie, but the only thing carrying that romance is the music and the tracking shot. Like, yeah. it's them leaving yeah. and they're holding and hands. It's their backs. And it's, you can't really, oh no, it is their front. It's their fronts right. and, they're, and they're leaving and it's just a normal street and, it's, and, and they have to leave. They haven't even had dinner. You yeah. know, but they're not like something about at each other. No, they're just leaving. Some, something mm-hmm. about the manipulation of what P.T. Anderson is doing is made to tell you that these people are falling in love. Yeah. And that's what happens in these Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers movies is mm-hmm. it's the dance sequences that really don't mean anything yeah. to the movie. But you're made to believe through the they're there to carry through you this, along through this thing called Hollywood magic. You're made to believe that that this music and this this moment between the two of them is enough. Yeah. For them to fall in love, you know. Yeah. And there's another thing. That, there's something else that uh, struck me this time when P.T. Anderson sort of just like kind of points at us and is like, "You may not get their love, but they feel it." Yeah. And it's when they are talking about smashing each other's faces and eating each other's cheeks. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. And he says, "This is funny. This is nice." I felt watching it this time that P.T. Anderson was just like, hey, Telling you. you judgmental asshole. They like this. This is this funny. Is, this, this is, is nice. meaningful to them. They realize that it's funny. They're not just being weirdos. Right. They're being funny. Yeah. And they're connecting. This is funny. This is nice. Calm down. They are. This yeah. is their love, not yours. Right. Um, and I thought that was great. And going back to the restaurant scene, and I think we need to talk about Adam Sandler's performance because we yeah, haven't we really yeah. all that much. We've said, you know, he was playing a very typical Adam Sandler. That restaurant scene, he is amazing. He really is. Right. And when she brings up the hammer and she says, your sister told me, his face of just absolute bottled up terror and embarrassment uh-huh. is amazing. Yeah. That no. one moment where you absolutely see he is at a break. He is, it is taking everything in his power to sit there yes. and to not lash out, to not run away in embarrassment but to sit there and listen and look at her in the eye. And it was unbelievable. I think there's a part of it that's P.T. Anderson's brilliant casting of just knowing that this is Adam Sandler is the perfect person for this character and, or maybe even writing it to Adam Sandler. Yeah. I don't know if that was really clear in the interview or not, but the fact that Adam Sandler, he really he did. I think bring he did it. write it for Adam Sandler. But, but yeah, I mean, he but really he, did. He brought it, and I don't mean the, he rose and, to and the occasion. He ro- not only did he rose to the occasion, but he knew when to hold back. Mm-hmm. Like 
I could see if you were a comedic actor and someone came to you and said, and they're coming off of something like Magnolia and saying, I want you to be in my next film. And in the interview, he does say like Adam Sandler said something like, I can't do How do you do want that. me to play this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he said like, I want you to be you. I want yeah. you to do what you do. But I could see that the nerves of that, mm-hmm. like just the, the, the anxiety scary. you would yeah. have and, that you would, and, and that you would try to oversell wheelhouse. it. And I feel like it's a right. it's a very restrained performance. You know, when I first saw it, I was spending a lot of time trying to see, like, is Adam Sandler really pulling this mm-hmm. off? It was totally the wrong. It, it's it's he does. But to me, like, if that's what you're going into the yeah, movie looking that's not for the question, right? That's you're asking the wrong question and you're going to miss this movie. Yep. You know, the second time I watched it, I just kind of assumed, you know, I know Adam Sandler pulled this off. And yeah. then when you can you go, yeah. when you can stop thinking about whether Adam Sandler is doing this or not, yeah. and you can just start to see it as Barry Egan, this character, uh-huh. um, it just becomes this whole other beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And and I can't imagine anybody else doing this. No, you know, absolutely. And I think P.T. Anderson did write it for Adam Sandler. If he didn't say so directly, it's it's clear that he knew the strengths of Adam Sandler, the natural strengths, and also knew the things of him that we hadn't seen really right. before. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. And um, Emily Watson did an, a great job too. I think we talked about her performance a little bit and her strength for Barry. Um, we don't get enough time to talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman ever. No, I know. He was great. Very limited screen time, really. So, but so memorable. Un- I mean, that is one of the best Philip Seymour Hoffman characters. Where would you rank that in Philip Seymour Hoffman performances? So it's so, so hard, but it is up there. Yeah. It's so good. It's funny and intimidate it's everything and it's it's just brilliant it's yeah. brilliant if he only had the telephone scene with that oh wasn't gosh. good like <laughs> shut up will you shut up shut up shut 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 up shut up now are you threatening me? And he kind of like trips on something. And I don't know if that was intentional yeah, or not, but he just kind of rolls either, with it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. perfectly timed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I, I could I could seriously watch that scene 50 times in a row. He, yeah. That's another one where his, his like, he's his Adam Sandler self and then he pulls it back too. And it's never, ever would I have thought that I would have said these words as a positive. But Adam Sandler squaring off against Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman bringing his best yes. to Adam Sandler bringing his... Of what he does, yeah. What he does best. And the, what's your name? So when he yells it <laughs> yeah. in that Adam Sandler yes. voice. Like, that's the voice he uses when yep. stop looking at me, Swan. Right, it is. It's Absolutely. It's no voice. different. Yeah. You have these two titans doing what they do best. You know, yeah. like Adam Sandler doing his rage. Yep. And... Philip Seymour Hoffman just doing what he does, which is basically everything awesome. Everything is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the the combination is just magical. And it's and then great. even when they actually it's square great. off together, and the fact that they don't end up like in some big fist it fight. Doesn't explode. No. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's it's it, counterintuitive. It is. And that's what makes it so funny when he's just like, that's that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> then he just walks away. Like and another thing that P.T. Anderson did, which was brilliant and audacious, was that he took one of those rage moments and made it a very moving class climactic moment in the movie when he starts screaming at his sister on the phone on multiple viewings i realize that's a big turning point for that character that's when he's standing up for himself and even though again he can't express it well yeah he's just raging right but he finally 
does it and uses that Adam Sandler angry voice. This is what I thought was kind of brilliant about P.T. Anderson using Adam Sandler is that in all of Adam Sandler's movies, that rage is used for comedic effect. Mm -hmm. In P.T. Anderson's movie, that rage is not funny at all, but it's the people's reaction to it that is funny. So, you know, the sister's reaction to that, plus Philip Seymour's Hoffman's reaction to that, that's where the comedy comes from, not in Adam Sandler's actual raging performance. I mean, but also, oh, and, and, and to that effect, so much of the comedy in this movie is not Adam Sandler Mm-mm. at all. Going back to even like a reference to Swing Time, I realized that the the Louis Guzman character uh-huh. is totally pops from Swing oh, Time. Really? Yeah. Like it's it's no different. Like it's basically Luis just this, so funny. He is this. funny. And the fact that like it's subtly it's subtle stuff like he, he shows up wearing the next, a suit <laughs> the next day. <laughs> the next day he comes in the like, suit. I love it. Which is totally pop. Because in Swing Time, he's this sidekick who has for whatever reason, a strange admiration for this guy. Like you have no idea why he looks up to him, but and he that, does. And you know, here's, here's, and he just couple, goes with whatever this guy's doing. He's the he's the loyal sidekick. Yeah. You know, there's a couple things that that adds. It's it fleshes out Luis Guzman's character very quickly in a in a very sweet way. Yeah, but it also sort of gives credence a little bit to Lena's just seeing a picture and being attracted and saying, hey, "There's something yeah. about this guy. There's something about this guy, even though he's weird and he does these things that." He's a good boss, apparently, yep. because Luis Guzman's like, oh, yep. we're wearing suits now. And, that, you know, whatever he thought when he was put <laughs> right. it on. And- yeah. And he comes in and, and for whatever reason, Luis Guzman thinks that this guy, this guy's an idea man. He comes yeah. up with great ideas, uh-huh. you know, like he just goes to the supermarket. Yeah, let's go get let's pudding. Go pudding. Okay. Yeah. And and there's the most blatant swing time reference where he basically does a, dances, a dance yeah. in the aisle. Soft you know. Shooting, yeah. <laughs> But when I saw that and I saw those comparisons, I was like, you know, again, this movie is just, it's not that complicated, but it's so damn good, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I think that's a very fitting end. This movie is not that complicated, but it's so damn good. (laughs) I, 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 I don't know where I'd rank it. Yeah. Does it move up for you? I can't I can't rank up honestly. You mean of PT Anderson yeah. or just because yeah. I love Magnolia so much, it's always gonna be number one for me. But other than that, there are things about every one right of his know. movies that oh well yeah, that's there's that. That yeah. moves it above P- Punch Drunk Love. But now Punch Drunk Love had this, so that puts it yeah, above. Yeah, you know, it's hard like, because you know for me it's for me it's There Will Be Blood. That's my favorite, that is your favorite. PT Anderson movie. And, and I that's think a great it, one. it comes it comes down to the one that connected with you the most first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Mag- uh, yeah Magnolia. You know, just hands down. And and I go back and forth. You know, like I watched the mass. I rewatched the master and saw so much brilliance so in that. Good. But then I rewatched Boogie Nights and it was just so fun. So and, good too. And and, and, and yet great. still brought so I much. I need to depth. watch Hard Eight again. I've only uh, seen yeah, that once. Yeah, yeah. We love P.T. Anderson unabashedly. Yeah, it was um, kind of fun just to be a fanboy and just kind of like. I was go, really glad just, to just be able to do this. Yeah. Just 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 go sorry crazy. If, sorry yeah. if these uh, th- this sort of episode <laughs> is less interesting to than you us listeners. fighting. Yeah. But it is so much more fun for us to just like feed off each other rather <laughs> yeah. than fight against each other. Yeah. Especially when it's such a worthy cause. It is a P.T. Anderson movie. I hope that if you haven't seen Punch Drunk Lover, any PT Anderson, watch it. It's it's amazing. He's one of those few directors where you can you can really say you need to see everything in his filmography. One hundred percent, every single thing you need to see. And I think that it's really nice to be able to say that about a living director, like yes. someone who's still making stuff, and uh-huh. you can recognize that right now and say, you know what, we are yeah. living in this time, yeah. this P.T. Anderson era. You this know? is something that I've, I've the last few years, I've really tried to do. Like it actually started when I realized I was alive when Michael Jordan played, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. I was a kid, but I, but I love Michael Jordan. He, I don't th- I don't know if we'll ever see somebody like Michael Jordan again. So yeah. I need to just be grateful that I was alive when one of the greatest basketball players right. of all time played, and I was able to watch him 
perform with the like play with the flu and do whatever. Right. It was a combination of realizing I was alive when Michael Jordan was around and realizing I was alive, but not knowing it when Neutral Milk Hotel was making music. Mm. Because mm. I love Neutral Milk Hotel. I know you don't. Um, but I try really hard. Like you just said, be grateful and aware that you are alive when P.T. Anderson is making movies. Right. And, and his make the most of this. Yes. And and I know his movies confuse a lot of people. Yeah. And and, and a lot of people They're worth getting though. They are. They are. I, I gotta say, there will be blood and the master and Point Strong love to a certain extent, and I'm sure inherent vice. I walked out saying, I don't know if I liked that. Just because right. I don't know anything about it. But I will I But you have if to if I don't like yeah. it, I, I can only say I don't like that movie yet. Because right. I know I will. Absolutely. Because they're agree just, more. He's amazing. He's going to be one of those directors he will that be won't confusing. win an Oscar and right. people are going to be baffled. He's, they're going to say, how did this guy again. not... Yeah, honestly. Absolutely. Or, or Hitchcock. Or, yeah, 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 Hitchcock. And yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's right up there We've with We've got to calm yeah. down. We're, we're not going to get to sleep tonight. We're just going to both like, be talking to our wives. And then and then in Boogie Nights, do you remember this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Pull it let's, together. Let's settle down a little bit. Let's talk about, all right, our next episode. Okay, so for our uh, next episode, uh, Ryan, did you catch the Golden Globes last uh, Sunday? Uh, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, so for those who missed it, and and if you didn't read the news, uh, Richard Linklater's Boyhood ended up uh, taking Best Picture. Yeah. Uh, Did it take Best Director? Director, it did. Yeah. And um, so that seems to be kind of a pretty buzzworthy movie right yeah, now. And it's it also a, it's definitely a front runner at the Oscars. It's nominated for Best Picture. I don't know if it'll win, but it's definitely a, a front runner it's for sure. It's also just really good. It is. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Richard Linklater is a movie is a director who's made a ton of movies, yeah. and we've seen scattered pieces of yeah. all of them. Um, but what we want to do for our next episode is kind of go back to the beginning. Where did it start? Yes. For young boyhood Richard Linklater. <laughs> exactly. And so we're going to watch one of his this breakout movies. Yeah. Slacker. Yeah, which is a movie that I've never seen. And I've so seen I'm once. I'm very excited for this episode because it's a movie that's been on my list forever. I just never have been mm-hmm. able to check it off. I've seen other Linklater and I've just now's the time. Now mm-hmm. is the time for me to sit down and watch Slacker yeah. before uh, we get into the full Oscar race yeah. uh, of boyhood. So that you, you can know. you can really can s- really condescend absolutely and just even if you don't believe it say well boyhood's not as good as slacker. boyhood's not as good as slacker i don't know if you've seen slacker right i don't know if you've seen his earlier his, stuff uh, but yeah. boyhood totally makes sense within the context yeah. Yeah. once of you've slacker. seen slacker it just really opens boyhood up and so i honestly don't think you can nominate up boyhood without nominating slacker yeah I so can't that's wait what for we're that gonna. Episode, yeah, so. it's gonna be great. It's just gonna be a lot of us talking like that yeah. about Slacker. So what I hope is that for you guys, um, first of all, go see Boyhood. It's a really great movie. Yes. But but secondly, um, I hope that you do watch Slacker yeah. with us, and we're gonna probably you know talk about Linklater in general a little bit in the episode. Yeah, so, so brush up. Um, you know, thank you for listening to yeah. our uh, glowing yeah, <laughs> episode this, oh, on, boy. On, on Paul Thomas yeah, Anderson. Hopefully, hopefully you guys. Hopefully we didn't turn you off, and you, you now you're like, ugh, I don't want to be like that. No, um, P.T. Anderson does weird stuff to people. <laughs> he does. Um, but let us know what you think about Punch Drunk Love or Slacker or Richard Linklater or Boyhood uh, on Facebook, Twitter, yeah. on our website, CanWeStillBeFriends.net. Email us feedback at CanWeStillBeFriends.net. We mentioned earlier, give us a call. Absolutely. Yeah, do all of the above. And also just spread the word. We are all over the place. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are in TuneIn Radio. So, you know, let your friends know. And um, 
Try to try to get the can we still be friends love. Yeah, going yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate, you want to give the phone number one more time, just That's in right. case somebody fast forwarded to the end of the episode to hear the contact <laughs> information. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, please do give us a call um, anytime, 847-306-9532. That's 847-306-9532. And you can always email us feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. So with that said, um, thanks for listening so much, and um, we will yeah. catch you next time. Thanks a lot. It's not a clap on it. Nothing happened when you did that. It's still going. Is it?